Hello and welcome to Under Further Review. This is being recorded on Tuesday, February 12th. Under Further Review is brought to you by University Pulse Radio. Thank you to The Pulse for hosting us and hosting our podcasts. It's a great group. It's a great organization. Make sure to check out universitypulse.com to get all of the, the best content that is up and going around the Boise area. Um, if you haven't already, check out our podcast on the NBA trade deadline. That went up last week, last Friday, I want to say. And then uh, check out our, our Monday message. Every Monday we're going to be posting something non-sports-related, sports something a little inspirational. Uh, this last Monday we touched on purpose. Uh, it's only eight minutes long on this past Monday, probably about ten minutes long when we do it. So real short, real good. Send it to everybody you know because it's a good message for all of you to learn. Uh, we're going to talk about Champions League today. A lot went down on your round of 16 knockout Champions League action. So, well, we're going to talk a little bit of little bit of football today. Got a little bit of football news that went down. Stuff went down on Twitter. Is is the NFL becoming a better Twitter league than the NBA? I don't know. Time will tell. And then uh, we've got a new segment to round out the episode for you. But first, we have our own song that a fine young man created for us. Let's roll that right now. All right, I'm not going to lie. That song's sick. That's really good. We got our own intro song. We're legit. We're professional now. No big deal about it. Um, first and foremost, if you aren't, Follow us on, on our Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow our content so you can constantly be getting updates about when we go live on stuff. Um, but let's talk Champions League. Today was Tuesday. And in Tuesday, Wednesday, it's for the Champions League. Uh, we had Roma and Porto today, as well as Man U and PSG. Uh, Man U, PSG, obviously the, the marquee match, the one that... Um, you know, casual fans were the, were tuning into. A um, lot of people were liking Manchester United in this game. Uh, PSG was without Neymar. They were without Edison Cavani. Uh, Man United had not lost under their new manager, whose name I'm not even going to try to pr- pronounce. Um, we'll we'll just call him Oli. I, I we'll just go with that. Uh, but they hadn't lost. Everyone was expecting them to kind of run away with this game. They were at Old Trafford where they hadn't, I mean, they've been especially good at Old Trafford. And uh, PSG came in and uh, kind of kicked their butts a little bit, uh, put in two goals early in the second half. Um, really, really strong performance from PSG uh, to go into Old Trafford, pick up the 2 nil result, pick up the two away goals. When you're at home, when you go back to Paris now in a month, you're set. You've got this tie pretty much in the bag. And, um, you know, we've got, I've got friends and that are Manchester United fans. And, uh, you know, they just said that they're disappointed, but they really aren't surprised. Things had been, I mean, maybe a, a little too good under Ole. Uh, and I think, I think at some point it's going to come back down to earth. I think the really big story in this as well, in the 89th minute, Paul Pogba picks up a red card 
That means he will be suspended for the second leg of this match. Uh, Paul Pogba had been fantastic once Ole had gotten promoted to manager. Um, he had been playing really well, but then gets the red card and sent off. Uh, not not good for Man U going forwards. Uh, really just not, not a good situation for them. Going down 0-2, I don't think they're going to be able to come back from this. To go into Paris, they're going to have to pick up uh, a, at least a 2-0 result, um, and that's just really tough to do on the road. The other game that we had, Roma-Porto. Uh, Roma goes up 2-0 on the back of a 19-year-old who, I'm not going to lie to you, I haven't been watching a lot of Serie A this year. I don't know who Nicolo Zaniolo is, but he scores two goals in the 70th and the 76th minute, uh, 19 years old, as I previously mentioned. Really big win for Roma. They did it at home. Porto, though, does pick up a goal late in the game. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the Champions League, the way it works is you have two matches. You play them both out, and you combine the scores. So, for example, Roma wins 2-1. If Porto wins 3-1 when they play in Portugal, Porto goes through because they have the combined higher score it would be like in the nba if instead of playing a seven game series you just played two games and then whoever scored more points between both games wins it's an interesting system but a key part of it is if you're tied on goals so let's say one team wins one zero and then the other team wins two one so in this scenario porto lost two one but let's say they go back to portugal they win one zero Porto actually goes through because they scored more goals as the away team. It's kind of a convoluted system, but it's how they do it. Porto picks up the away goal, and now, coming back to Portugal, just need a 1-0 result. Something they can do. Portuguese teams have a history of overperforming in these European competitions. Uh, really, really dull match in the first half, and then we had 10 minutes of just wild. Goals in the 70th minute, 76th minute, and 79th minute. Things really just got kicked up. Uh, I think I like Roma in the second leg. I think they'll be able to pull out at least a draw, if not better. That being said, don't sleep on Portuguese teams at home in European competition. Moving on, tomorrow, Wednesday, February 13th. We've got two matches. They're going to be really good ones. Uh... Tottenham and Dortmund, two powerhouse clubs. Uh, Tottenham in the top three in the Premier League right now. Dortmund at the top of uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, Dortmund home to our boy savior, Christian Pulisic, the young king, the greatest young talent we've ever had, better than Freddie Adu, better than Landon Donovan. He's, he's incredible. That being said... Uh, Spurs is on a really strong run of form right now. They've been playing really good. Uh, and Dortmund's kind of hit a relative rough patch. Um, not to say that they've been bad, but not as good as they have been. Uh, Dortmund has to travel into Wembley, which has had mixed results for, for Dortmund. Um, they struggled last year on the road when they played Tottenham. I think Tottenham is going to go all in on this game. 
I think Dortmund really wants to win the Bundesliga this year. I think since Bayern Munich has won seven years in a row, Dortmund's going to say, we're going to take a backseat on the Champions League this year, really make sure that we can win this Bundesliga and take home a trophy. That being said, I like Tottenham 2-1 tomorrow. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be back and forth. Both these teams are really, really talented. I think they both played a little bit safe. Tottenham at home, just make sure that they get the points. And Dortmund might be looking ahead to the, the weekend Bundesliga a little bit. The other match we have is Ajax and Real Madrid without Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, they have not been nearly as good this year as they were with Ronaldo. But they're on a really good form. They've started to get things figured out after struggling heavy early in the season. They've got it going. They're up to second in the uh, in La Liga right now, six points behind Barcelona. Uh, Ajax, been a little shaky in the Eredivisie. Uh, two weeks ago, they have a 6-1 win. And then last week, they lose 1-0 against the uh, side they should have beat. They've been a little all over the place. That being said, both these teams have been conceding goals like crazy. In almost every match they play, they're conceding goals. I think this game's going to have a lot of offense, a lot of firepower. This one, in my opinion, will probably be more entertaining of the two games, uh, which not typically what you'd expect when you just look at the names on the uh, on paper. But I like Real Madrid. They've been playing really, really well lately. Ajax has been super inconsistent. They'll win a game by five goals and then lose against a team they should beat and then beat a really good Eredivisie team by two or three goals. They've been all over the place. I just think Real Madrid, the more consistent team, I think they'll get it done 3-1. Uh, as a whole, I don't think any of the teams we just talked about are going to be in the Champions League final at the end. For me, I love Barcelona. And I think Manchester City is going to get there this year. I don't like the Premier League in the Champions League. I think the Premier League is too competitive top to bottom. Teams don't take days off in the Premier League. So when they get to the Champions League, they're just a little more beat up than these other sides. I like Barcelona to win it all. They're playing incredible this season. I don't know if I trust Juventus. They've been getting there in the past, but... Something about Man City this year, and the draws will determine it all. It's hard to predict ahead that far when these two teams could be drawn against each other tomorrow. But I I do really I, – I like Barcelona. I like – I like Manchester City. But moving on from Champions League talk, we're going to talk a little bit of a – a little bit of American football. I know it's – I know it's, what, February, February 12th. But we've got some we've got some action here. Uh, Antonio Brown sent out a tweet today. It was a video of himself, and the tweet read something along the lines of, "Thank you Pittsburgh for the past nine years. It's been a pleasure, but it's time for a new challenge." It, and Antonio Brown hasn't been released. He, he hasn't been traded. He's still on contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nothing's happened. But this is his way of publicly saying, hey, I don't want to play here next year. I don't know if he's going to threaten to sit out like Le'Veon Bell did or what. But 
Let me give you some little information on why this is an incredibly stupid tweet. So if the Pittsburgh Steelers trade him, they'll have $21.12 million in dead cap space. Antonio Brown gets a $2.4 million roster bonus if he's on the roster as of March 17th. So if they trade him after March 17th, Pittsburgh has $23.62 million in dead cap space if they trade Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown turns 31 years old this summer. Antonio Brown does not have the kind of value and he does not have the kind of leverage to be making these kind of statements, to make this kind of request. The Steelers are not going to trade you. You cost way too much money and you're not going to yield high value from other teams. I just don't see a scenario where... Because if you're sitting with 20-plus million in dead cap space, you, you better get some good picks back in return. I don't know what that value is to the Steelers, but I don't even know if I see a situation where someone gives a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's turning 31, and he's on a really big contract. I just don't see a situation where he gets traded because I think the Steelers are going to want way too much value I think that teams are going to not pay that much because he's going to be 31 years old. And in the lifetime of a receiver, 31 may as well be 85. Oh, yeah. I mean, just look at uh, what they did with Mike Wallace, right? I mean, trade him away or left in free agency. Yeah, left in free agency. And wasn't ever the caliber he was when he was in Pittsburgh. Right. I think I think Antonio Brown and maybe even to an extent Le'Veon Bell have seen what the NBA players do. They see what kind of power they have. They see Anthony Davis is out here requesting trades. Shoot, Thon Maker is out here in the NBA requesting trades. I know you're not a huge NBA guy. Do you know who Thon Maker is, Tyler? Uh, he plays with the Bucks. Used to. Used to play with the Bucks. He's gone now. Just got traded. Now he's with the Pelicans. He got traded. He was a part of that trade. No, no, no. Uh, Pistons. Okay. <laughs> Pistons. <laughs> Pistons. P team. P team. Uh. But I think NFL players are seeing how much power these NBA players have, and they think, well, let me do the same thing. I can have that kind of power. Well, how do you, you know, if you are a player in the NFL, how do you, how do you foster that, and how, how do you get that same uh, player movement that, that you're seeing in the NBA? Is that even realistic? I, I think there's a few points here. Uh, first and foremost is the financials of the CBA. Uh, if you are in the NBA, you're an NBA, let's say you're – uh, Kelly Olenek, you're making $17 million a year. If the Miami Heat trade you, they trade away your contract in its entirety. In the NFL, part of these contracts, if Antonio Brown gets traded, he's still a cap hit to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the details. This is uh, this is from, I think it was Field Yates on Twitter. Uh, so trusted, reliable source. But that, that's part of it. So, okay, okay, well, if, if that's how it works, obviously there's a reason for that. Are we talking, you know, in the NBA, all these big stars, uh, the, the conversation is they want to go to these bigger markets, right? So uh, these smaller markets who don't have the leverage to uh, sign these big players in free agency, and they don't have, you know, their, their only option is to, is, is to hold on to them or uh, spend big in a trade, to, to acquire these big stars, and even in, in that case, you're not guaranteeing that they're going to re-sign with you, right? Um, is that 
the NFL's way of uh, encouraging people, or rather encouraging teams, to hold on to their players? I think that's I think that's probably a part of it. I think from and I, I'd be interested to see who actually negotiated this in the last contract talks during the CBA. If it was owner negotiated or player negotiated, my guess is it would be player negotiated. And the reason why is I think teams want to avoid any scenario where they have to deal with dead cap. No team wants to have dead cap. But from a player's perspective, if you can force these teams to take on dead cap for trading you, what it means is you aren't going to be traded up and out of the blue. Right. I think any person or any entity wants consistency when it's expected. The Pelicans didn't like that Anthony Davis demanded a trade. Just as much as Antonio Brown wouldn't like one day being a Steeler and the next being a Dolphin with no warning. I think this is a way to combat that if that is the case. Again, this is all conjecture. This is me inferring this. But if that is the case... It's interesting now that that's firing back on someone like Antonio Brown. Because if the Steelers don't take on $23 million in dead cap from trading him, they probably trade him no questions asked. He's made it clear he doesn't want to be there. My assumption is, is that he's willing to sit out just like Le'Veon Bell did if they don't trade him. And now, if you're the Steelers, his value is a lot more. His value is a lot more if he doesn't have that dead cap attached, if that makes sense. True. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because now if someone gives you a second-round pick, well, it's better to have a second-round pick than nothing, and you just get rid of the contract, you're good to go. But now you're taking on $23 million in dead cap. That factors into the trade. Okay, not only are we trading away Antonio Brown, who's the best receiver in football, top three receiver in football. I mean, we could we can debate that, but but you're also taking on a, essentially $23 million in dead cap for nothing. Uh, I, to me, I would be shocked if the Steelers would trade him for anything less than a first-round pick, and my guess is they'd want even more, something along the lines of like a first and a third or some, something in that range. Which, I mean, no team outside of the Browns are going to do something like that, and... Browns are in the same division, so that obviously isn't. There, there's one team that might. It's the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have made it very clear that they're going to collect mid-round talent, or excuse me, collect mid-round assets and trade away their top assets for players. They traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. I believe it was in last year's draft that going to, into draft night, their first pick would have been in the fourth round if they didn't trade up. The Rams' mindset has been, we're in win-now mode. We want to be competitive right away. We're going to trade away a lot of our early draft capital to try to get pieces to be able to win right now while we have this window. And the Rams' theory, and th- this goes into a little bit more of NFL management theory and uh, kind of what Doug Peterson and the Eagles really started innovating a little bit was, okay, if we have player, if we have a quarterback on a rookie deal and he's – Super Bowl caliber. Good He's enough. Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, whoever. Let's let's capitalize. Because we've got four years while he's getting paid little. Then he's going to take the player option, which, depending on the year, is going to be bump him up to like 18 to 20 million. Depends on where he's picked as well. Then he's going to sign his big deal, which, you know, 20, 25, 30 million, depending on which quarterback you're, you're speaking about. 
So they went all in and said, okay, right now we have essentially – because Jared Goff, we can look up his actual number, but I think it's somewhere around $7 million is is his cap hit. Compare that to what he'll get when he re-signs, which is something probably in like the $25 million range. Yeah. I mean, $18 million is two Pro Bowl-level players or very good players that you're able to bring in. So they understand they understand this, and they're going to make a lot of big-time moves. Now, I don't know if they'll make a move for Antonio Brown, the one team that – that really has been talked about a lot of San Francisco. I don't know how San Francisco feels about it and what they're willing to give up. Are they willing to give up a top 10 pick for it? Are they, you know, how much faith do they have that Jimmy G is going to be able to make them a contender immediately? I don't know. They paid Jimmy G big, right? Yeah, he's got a big contract. He's not on a cheap deal at all. So there's a – the Antonio Brown situation is really interesting. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell – are two guys that are, in a, in a way, are kind of innovating the NFL in the sense that we just have not seen – we've not seen this happen in the NFL. We don't see guys sitting out for extended period. We see holdouts, but we don't see guys sitting out entire seasons and guys requesting trades and announcing that his thanks for the city, that he's moving <laughs> on before anything happens. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how this uh, this finally plays out it's either going to be really good or really bad for the players. Yeah, and even on top of that, it's either going to go really well or really poorly for the Steelers. I mean, we look into this offseason. The Pittsburgh Steelers realistically could start next year with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger on roster. I don't know how likely it is that, in, that Le'Veon Bell stays on roster, but it's theoretically possible. There's also a situation where none of those guys are there. If Le'Veon leaves, Antonio Brown gets traded, and Big Ben decides to retire. I mean, that for me, if I'm Big Ben, Le'Veon leaves, Antonio Brown leaves, you've got all this locker room issue, you guys just missed the playoffs. You're, what, 30, 37, I want to say? You've had to deal with a lot of injuries. Aren't you kind of thinking, yeah, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I, it'll be interesting. And so let's say this, let's say Antonio Brown gets traded, Le'Veon Bell isn't back, but Ben Roethlisberger's back. Is Pittsburgh the favorite in the AFC North? And let me take that a step further. Are the Cleveland Browns AFC North favorites going into the 2019 season? I think I think they might be. I think they might be. You're you're not on the Cincinnati boat. You're not on the Andy Dalton on the Andy Dalton boat going into this year. I mean, there's there's two states of mind. There is Marvin Lewis was the issue, and this team's going to outperform what they did last year. They started the season super hot. I want to say they started the year four and one. They were really really good. Got decimated by injuries and were one of the worst teams in football in the back half of the year. Or are you saying Andy Dalton's the issue and this team will be eight and eight like they always are? Okay, let's let's say they're eight and eight like they always are, and they can't they can't quite make it over that hump, right? You look at the other teams, you got Big Ben, established veteran, Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. With no pieces. Right. Like you'll have James Conner, who's good, and you'll have Juju Smith Schuster, but that's significantly toned down from what yeah. they had. Um, then you got you got the Ravens, and I think we both agree that Baker Mayfield is better than Lamar Jackson. 
Yes. Just at least what we've seen in the first year. I would even go as far to say that right now, I think Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was bad for large portions of this season. They kind of ran a gimmicky college style 90s run based offense. It was weird. It was like a it was like a the Tebow games where it was it, it didn't feel like you were watching an NFL game mm-hmm. and it really felt that they were hanging on by a thread per se. Uh, at any minute, you could just cut that string. And <laughs> and they were really holding on to look at how elite our defense is. And they did because at the beginning of the season, the talk was, wow, the Ra- this Ravens defense is the best in football. This is incredibly good. And then they had a stretch where they lost four or five in a row. People stopped talking about them. But by the end of the year, they picked it up again, and people weren't talking about it. But the, the Ravens defense was really good last year. I would – probably second in the NFL behind the Bears. I don't I yeah, don't I, I don't I don't think it's a stretch. They they had that. a couple they had a couple down games somewhere in the in the middle of the season. Uh but they were pretty strong. I mean the, there was I mean early in the year the topic of conversation was no one was talking about the Bears 5 6 weeks into the year. It was wow, this Baltimore Ravens defense is legit. I mean their last year their defense gave up 3 points. 34 and a loss to the Bengals, but then 14, 14, 12, 0. And then the Saints, they gave up 24 in a game they should have won. I mean, through seven weeks, the, the topic of conversation really was, wow, okay, the Baltimore Ravens defense is the best in the NFL. And people got people got off that train of thought. They start, stopped talking about it because, uh, you know, they lose to the – Lose to the Saints, lose to the Panthers, lose to the Steelers, uh, and you know, and then have a bye week. So it's four straight weeks without a win. You go a full month without winning, and no one talks about you anymore. Oh yeah, but I don't think I think the Jacksonville Jaguars showed us that questionable questionable quarterback play with stellar defense isn't sustainable. It's not something that's going to last because in the modern NFL offense it's geared towards offenses. And I think so many things have to go right for you to be able to sustain an elite defense in the modern NFL. I think what the bears did was in large part to, I don't want to say in large part to luck, but that team had 6,000 interceptions last year. That's not a sustainable number. They're not going to do that again this year. I've seen a lot of people saying they should be Super Bowl favorites next year. I'm not putting – I wouldn't put any money on that because at the end of the day, Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback. And people said the same stuff about the Jaguars going into this past season. They said, with that defense, all they need is Blake Bortles to be okay. And Blake Bortles was less than okay, and the defense took a step back, and that team went from AFC title game to really, really bad. <laughs> really bad. And so I think the Ravens and the – and the Bears as well are both in a situation where that could happen. I think neither of those quarterbacks are super trustworthy. Mitch Trubisky's weird because if you look at just his raw numbers, you're like, ah, wow, Mitch Trubisky, he played really well. He had a good season. But if you watch the games, it was like, dang, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's like very, very average. It's a, it's a formula. Yeah. It's a formula for sure. And it's, I, and then uh, the Lamar Jackson thing, it's, you know, he was a rookie last year. We knew coming in he was going to be raw, really unpolished as a passer. Is he able to see significant improvement from year one to year two? 
Because if not, I don't think the Ravens are going anywhere. And I think you make the argument the Browns might be AFC North favorites. Yeah, I mean we've ruled out we've ruled out the Bengals, we've ruled out uh, the Ravens. I, I I think the only way the Steelers grab this title is if with Antonio gone, uh, with Le'Veon gone, the the locker room, the the drama is gone, and you know they really focus on football, and we see Big Ben rise up in glory one more time uh, because of that pure focus on the game without the outside distractions, maybe? Yeah, and look, that Pittsburgh team still has talent at the end of the day. Cleveland is going to have a new head coach. We're going to see Baker Mayfield in year number two. The sophomore slump is a real thing. And that team has a lot of talent, but it's really young. And last year is the first taste that they've really gotten of any sort of success. And so I can't find the Vegas odds on who wins each division. But I have the odds here on winning the AFC. And Baltimore has better odds than Cleveland. Pittsburgh has better odds than Cleveland. And Cincinnati has the worst odds in all of the AFC, along with the Dolphins and the Raiders. So I don't don't buy Cincinnati. I think that they'll be better than people expect. I've seen a lot of people say Cincinnati could be the worst team in the NFL next year. The team has, like, a lot of, like, weird, low-key talent. I really like Joe Mixon. A.J. Green will be coming back from injury. But when he's healthy, he's probably the most underrated receiver in football because he's a legitimate top three receiver, but he never gets talked about. Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. He's mediocrity personified. And... I don't know. Baltimore I, Baltimore Baltimore to me will be it'll be week 15 and they'll be 7 and 7. And it'll be okay, they either need to win their last two games to get in the playoffs or you know, they'll come up short. They'll be what they've been the last few years. I think I think Harbaugh's too good of a head coach for them not to be competitive. I think Lamar Jackson will be able to do enough to get them some wins and I don't know what Cleveland is I I don't think they're going to be a 10 win football team next year I think they're probably going to be like 7 and 9 I think the biggest thing for Cleveland fans next year is show some serious growth on that roster we saw it this year you want to see a second year of it and who knows it's so early maybe Cleveland's able to bring in some free agents and and put together a really competitive team going into the next year but um, if I was betting I think right now I'd have my money on Pittsburgh if we assume Big Ben's coming back. Uh, that being said, though, the value on Cincinnati, plus 5,000. I'm just saying, there's a situation where new head coach in Cleveland, things don't go well, Big Ben retires, and Lamar Jackson ends up being a really bad quarterback, and Andy Dalton's able to steal the, the AFC North. I'm just saying, plus 5,000. Think about it. Think about it. Uh other football talk though football's back the american alliance uh, alliance of american the aaf i think it's the alliance of american football kicked off last weekend and i watched i watched the two games that were were saturday and i gotta say i was pretty impressed with the with one that the names that were out there i mean there were there were names out there that's like oh i know who that is uh, uh, Christian Hackenberg was out there, former Penn State. And he was a second-round pick with the Jets. Uh, Blake Sims 
played at Alabama. He was out there. Trent Richardson is in this league. Like, there's players out there that's like, okay, okay, I see you. I know who you are. Uh, the product was good. Um, you know, it wasn't NFL level, but it looked like football. It looked like a decent level of football. The the scoring's a there's some gimmicky rules that they're gimmicky. One one of which is that there's no extra points. You you just go for two point conversions every time, so you get wild scores like fifteen to six. No, that game wasn't all field goals. They just couldn't convert two point conversions. You can only rush five players on a play, so they have blitz limiting, which I really don't understand as a rule. That's the one that doesn't make sense to me. They have a lot of other good rules. They don't have kickoffs. They've removed kickoffs. The ball starts at the 20 or 25-yard line after a touchdown. It, I don't love it. I'm a member of the brand. I believe in the brand. Keep the specialists around. But that one like makes sense. People get hurt on kickoffs. Maybe we shouldn't do kickoffs. The 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 only rushing five people at a time thing is, so it's, it's a little weird to me. We as fans just want to see hits, right? I mean, right, and we got that. I mean, the we, only thing I saw was uh, that highlight of that D end or whatever just pummeling that quarterback and taking his helmet off. That was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean, they, like we got hits out there. Uh, all I want to see is Steve Spurrier continuing to be a coach. Uh, Steve Spurrier is the Head coach of the Orlando Apollos, who beat the Atlanta Legends forty to six. The Orlando Apollos. I know nothing about the Orlando Apollos go, co- going into that game. I didn't know that Steve Spurrier was their coach, but I watched the game and said, "Wow, that's Steve Spurrier," and he was running a very innovative offense. Like it was, it was pretty impressive. Led by Garrett Gilbert who, as a Texas fan, I have nightmares about still in that 2009 National Championship game against Alabama. At running back, they have Akeem Hunt, who is a name that I saw that. I was like, oh, I like I remember that name. He played it. He played at Purdue. He played for like the Houston Texans. Like I know that name. Um, they've got a lot of talent. They had Jalen Marshall, which I'm pretty sure is the same Jalen Marshall that played at Ohio State. So that, like, there's names in this league. It's it's a lot of fun because you, you see a lot of names. You're like, oh, wow, I, I kind of forgot that guy existed. But here he is. He's playing football again. Yeah, good for him. He's doing well. All right. I see it. It's a lot of fun. And I think the big thing is the NFL has, like, the longest – the NFL is the longest offseason of any of the major sports, right? Because the NFL, you start in August, but preseason's really – nothing too fancy or special and you're finished in february so from february to august let me do my quick math in my head that's six months out of the year that you're just devoid of football and even the off season doesn't dominate like some other leagues namely the nba does the nfl off season you get a couple of weeks here around the draft and then you'll have that week when free agency starts and that's kind of it really don't get a whole lot of NFL action going on, whereas you know, the NBA the NBA offseason is almost more fun than the, the actual season. I mean, things go nuts. They go they go crazy. As soon as, as soon as players can sign July 1st, everything breaks loose. Um, so I think it's good. I think it's good to have football. Football is going to be running from February to they have 10 weeks. So... 
quick maths. It's going to be, what, April, May? And then by then, you just have to get through summer. And I don't know. We can figure out a way to get through June and July. Oh, yeah. That's time when we'll just be outside or something anyways. We'll, we'll, We'll make it work. But football's back. And they put together a pretty good product. I'm a fan of it. I'm going to be rooting for it. And I'm going to be tuning in every weekend to catch the AAF because some football is better than no football. And this is pretty good football. Moving on, though, we're going to finish up with a new segment. Tyler, do you want to introduce this since since this is your your golden child idea that you put together for the show? Yeah, so basically uh, we're calling this segment That's a Stretch. It's where we go out and we find a news article that's really kind of weird and has nothing to do with sports whatsoever, and we're going to try and take that story and somehow relate it to sports, whether that be something believable, whether that be something totally ridiculous. That part's going to change week by week, as is the story. Uh, So let's get into it. What do you have for us, Nate? Okay, so I, I went on Twitter, went on to Trending, and found the first story that I could that was non-political related and non-sports related. And this is what I saw. Okay. You ready for this? The headline reads, Beagle lost her litter but formed unlikely bond with a possum. Essentially, I read the story, this beagle in Australia lost her litter tragic accident for those of you who don't know litter is puppies she lost all her puppies none of them survived and then apparently this possum just came out of nowhere and climbed on her back and now they're best friends and it was this news article about it i thought wow that was really cool uh but let's stretch it how does this relate to sports and what's going on now i was i was leaning towards uh, college somehow, college sports. Okay. Whether that be basketball or football, and I was I was leaning towards coaches. Okay. Okay. Ooh. So here here ooh, I've got one for you. Some people don't know this, but Boise State's head basketball coach Leon Rice, actually a dog fanatic. This man loves dogs. Like if you ever want to get like a nice little in with with Leon, talk to him about his dogs. I don't know if he owns a beagle, but here's how we spin it. This beagle is a long-lost sibling of Leon Rice's beagle. And when he saw this story, it motivated him to play better for the team. To okay. Coach, coach better. Coach better. Yeah. All right. All right. All right I there's... mean, the the team, the men's basketball team, is not performing very well. I don't know if we. I mean, we didn't have super high expectations for them coming into the season. No. Uh, but we definitely would have hoped hoped that they'd be doing better than they are. Right. They've had what five, six straight twenty-one seasons. We don't think we're gonna hit that this year. Just a, just a guess. Don't think we. I no, don't think we're gonna hit that this year. I don't. Yeah, we're eleven and thirteen. I don't think we're gonna hit twenty wins. Okay, what about this? What about this one? Okay. Uh, Leon Rice is the dog. Is the beagle? Ooh. Okay. Okay. His litter 
is Hutch. Oh, Chandler Hutchinson. He okay. lost Chandler Hutchinson to the NBA. Right. So the team he has now is the, the possum. possum. Okay, I like it. I like and it. And until this point, until he read this article, he didn't realize, you know, he was like, I, what am I supposed to do now? But now he's starting to realize that even though it's in a different form, he can still show it love and compassion, that being his new team, right? Yes. He needs to forget about the past, forget about what he did have, and focus on what he has now. I and like it. Building up a, a stronger, stronger team. I like it. I, that's a, that's a really good spin zone. There, there you have it. So, Leon Rice, it's it's a metaphor. He he saw this. Leon Rice saw this story. He understood the metaphor. Chandler Hutchison, the greatest basketball player in the history of Boise State men's basketball, other than Chris Childs because he punched Kobe Bryant in the face. But we'll, we can talk about that another time. Chandler Hutchison was the litter. Leon Rice is the beagle. Chandler's gone, and we had our time to weep about it. We had our time to sulk. It led to a lot of losses, 13 of them, in fact. But we found, we found a, new, a new friend, someone we can take care of, someone we can, we can teach everything we know, someone who we can love and care for, and that's the possum. That is Pat Demblay and R.J. Williams and Alex Hobbs and Marcus Dickinson and the rest of the team. And that's why last Saturday they beat San Jose State 105 to 57 because he saw this article before us. 48 points. It's a lot of points to win by. We'll see if it means anything tomorrow when they play Fresno State. Of course, it might not mean anything if they lose to Fresno State. You didn't hear the story from us. The Beagle is, in fact, actually just related to Ron Beagle, who was a defensive end for the Chicago Cardinals in the NFL back in the 50s and is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame for Navy. So uh, if we don't if we don't win tomorrow, that's it. That's your story. I think that's all we got. Got anything else for the people, Tyler? That's, that's all. That's all I got. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for listening. This has been another episode of Under Further Review. Uh, be sure to check out our Twitter. Be sure to check out our YouTube. We should have our Instagram up and running sometime soon, so be on the lookout for that. If you made it this far, please tweet at us. Tell us your spin zone on the beagle who lost her litter and formed an unlikely bond with a possum. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Have an even better week. Bye-bye.